<clears throat> so last week, uh, Mark preached about loving with the Father's love, and he also touched briefly on living a life of faith versus fear. Uh, that's a subject that the Lord's had on my heart uh, here lately in the last three to four weeks. And so that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Uh, God called us to a life of faith, and his plan wasn't for us to deal with fear or be held back by it. Um, that was the plan of the enemy. And so we're just kind of going to take a look at when that became a problem and what we can do about it. So to see when fear kind of stepped into the picture, we have to go back to Genesis. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, and God told them that they could eat of the fruit of any tree in the garden except for one. But then the serpent convinced them otherwise. Eve ate of the forbidden fruit and offered it to Adam as well. So in Genesis 3, 7 through 10, it says this. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Eve had fallen victim to the plan of the serpent and ate the fruit. And she'd offered it uh, to her husband as well. And then the word says that the eyes of both of them were opened and they, they knew that they were naked. But more than just acknowledgement that they were naked was an awareness that something terrible had happened. They had disobeyed God's command. They were exposed and felt guilt and shame and fear for the first time. They were instantly ashamed and scared. <clears throat> Not just a little afraid. They were terrified. Then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. Adam and, Adam and Eve had lived in perfect harmony with God up and until that point. So they had no reason to fear him. God had given them dominion and authority over all creation. But now they were nervous, timid, and full of fear. Adam and Eve felt something that they hadn't felt prior to that. They experienced something that prior to that moment they, they had no reference point for. Sin had entered the world, and they felt separation from God. And along with so many other things, allowed fear into the picture. It gave fear a place in our lives. God had to kick Adam and Eve out of the garden because those that are with, that are with sin can't stand in the presence of a holy God. <clears throat> that was the enemy's plan, and, and in that moment it was successful. And now Adam and Eve were faced with fear. Fear prevents us from living the abundant life that God has called us to. It keeps us from relationship with God, with others. It keeps us from moving forward. It binds us. It holds us back. Now, there's various kinds of fear. The Word says that we should fear the Lord. In Deuteronomy 10.20, it says this, You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve Him and cling to him, and you shall swear by his name. Now, this fear is actually the word Yahweh. Okay? And this fear means to stand in awe, be awed, to fear, revere, honor, and respect. So this isn't the fear that I'm talking about. Uh, a reverent fear and honor and a respect for God, that's good. 
There's nothing wrong with that. That's needed. Um, there's also the, the kind of fear that comes about as a result of the kind of fight or flight response that we have, right? So that type of fear is meant to prepare us when we're in danger. While it's not fun to experience, this, is the type, this type of fear can also be good. It's the fear that we experience when someone weaves over into our lane in traffic, which usually is followed by anger and occasionally other things. <laughs> um, it's the type of fear that we experience when a child runs into the street, just that quick you know, readiness because of danger. So that's really not the fear that I'm talking about either. That's, that fear is not the problem. I'm talking about the fear that brings doubt. The fear that prevents us from moving deeper into what God has for us. That what-if fear that consumes us and so much that you know we're so worried about what might happen that, that nothing happens because we're not willing to, to step out in faith. Fears like xenophobia. Xenophobia is the fear of the unknown. It's derived from a Greek word xenos, meaning foreigner or stranger, and phobos, which is where the word phobia comes from, right? And that word phobos means fear, panic, the causing of fear, terror. This fear of the unknown, this fear of what if, the fear that brings doubt and prevents us from walking in the fullness that God has for us is the problem. That's the fear that we were faced with in that moment as sin entered the world. And we just can't allow that fear to stop us. I remember, it's been a number of years ago now, but uh, another gentleman that we relate with in NCMI, his name's uh, Mike Hanchett. And so he, he definitely flows in the prophetic. And so we had him in for, uh, to our service, and he was just uh, prophesying and sharing words with different people. And while he was doing this, um, I was in the back, kind of where Logan's at at the soundboard right now, and there was a girl that I'd never seen before across the room. And the Lord just said, I want you, like I have a word for her, I want you to go speak to her. And so I said, okay, Lord, what do you have for her? And nothing. The Lord didn't, he didn't give me anything further. And I said, okay, Lord, like I'll go share it with her, but what do you have for her? Nothing, just I have a word for her, go speak to her. And so in that moment, I was faced with fear. Fear of, what if I get over there and I look like a fool because I have nothing to give? What if, you know, whatever. Just that, that what if thing. Like, what if this? What if that? What if, what if I scare her? You know, <laughs> what if I go over and she's like, why are you coming to talk to me? All these things go racing through our minds, right? Fear grabs hold and it just locks us up. And so in that day, in that moment, fear got the best of me. I wasn't going to let it happen again, though. You know, later later in the service, Mike was, you know, you know, I, I wouldn't be uh, faithful in that moment, so he went to Mike, and Mike was looking for, hey, I've got a word for the la- young lady that's over here, and she'd left. Now, I trust that whatever the word was, whatever it was that God had for her, was delivered. Maybe not by me, maybe, maybe not by Mike, but, you know, God's faithful, so. But it's just a learning point, right? It's... We, we can't allow that fear to stop us. Even, even if the Lord didn't give me anything profound for her, I could have told her what I already knew. I could have told her exactly what happened. I was back here, 
and God pointed me out to you, pointed you out to me. He sees you. He loves you. I could, I, I could have been as simple as that. I didn't need to have all the answers, but I allowed fear to take hold and prevent me from moving forward. That's our enemy's plan. His plan is to seek, kill, and destroy, but when he fails to seek and kill and destroy, he looks for other means to stop us. He's got a lot of tricks and lies to tell us, and he'll do everything he can to pull our eyes off of Jesus, to distract us. Distraction is a, is a big tool of the enemy. Comfort even. Something like comfort. Well, how could my comfort stop me? Well, if we're comfort, if we're always comfortable, we're not, we're not stretching. We're not stepping out, right? Fear of the unknown. Fear of the outcome. They all prevent us from advancing the kingdom and walking in the fullness God has. This fear can affect so many aspects in our lives. Our relationship with God, with friends, with family. If I say this, what will they think? If I do that, what will they, you know, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Fear says what if. What if something bad happens? Faith says, what if something awesome happens? I'm, I'm going to go and do this, and, you know, what if somebody is saved as a result? What if, whatever. You know, like, we just, we don't have to have to fight with it. It can kill our dreams. Many of us have big dreams. God has placed some big stuff on our hearts that's bigger than us, but that's okay. It doesn't have to be in our grasp or within our reach or within our means. We just have to trust him. But fear desires to keep us safely in our comfort zone. But how much are we really growing if we're comfortable all the time? They're called growing pains for a reason. A little pain's okay. So last week, Mark said that the opposite of love is not hate, but fear. I think the same could be said for fear and faith. Some would say that the opposite of fear is courage or courageousness. But I think the Bible shows us something different. Let's look in Matthew 8. Jesus and the disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee when they came across a storm. So in Matthew 8, 23 through 26, it says this. And we got, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? O you of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Jesus didn't ask them where their courage was, but he questioned their faith. O you of little faith, he said. The same passage in Mark says, Do you still have no faith? And in Luke says, Where is your faith? Jesus indicates here that if they have faith and trust in him, they should have no reason to fear. So what is faith? In, he, in Hebrews, um, it describes faith like this. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Friends, faith is an absolute belief that God is constantly working behind the scenes in every area of our lives, even when there's no tangible evidence to support it. We just have to trust 
that He is for us because He is. He is faithful. Simply stated, fear is is a deficit or a lack of faith. As fear gains the upper hand in our thoughts, fear takes hold of our emotions. Our deliverance from fear is based on faith. And from faith comes courage and so many other things as well. Courage isn't the opposite of fear. It's the result of faith. Faith that we serve an awesome God who loves us and is for us. In Deuteronomy 31, 6-8, it says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall give it to them as an inheritance. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Courage, because the Lord your God is with you. Lack of fear because the Lord goes ahead of you. Faith in our God. So how do we live a life of faith? How do we break fear off of our lives? Well, the first step is accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Many of us here today have already done this, but for those that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior in your lives, that's the first step. Because just as Adam and Eve disobeying God brought sin into the world and gave fear place, Jesus' sacrifice for us defeated the plan of the enemy. The enemy's plan to separate us from God, to bring fear and shame, doubt and unworthiness, was defeated by Jesus on the cross. We're once again in right standing with God. We don't have to hide, friends. We don't have to hide from God. We are welcomed back into the Father's presence to walk with Him again an intimate relationship and dominion over creation. The Father now sees us through the lens of Jesus. He doesn't see our disobedience or our sin. He sees us as perfect and blameless. He hears Jesus' intercession on our behalf. So that's the first step. Not not to make it a step-based system. It's not that. But you get what I'm saying. So once we accept Jesus, we also get the Holy Spirit. It's a package deal. So another way to combat fear and increase faith in our lives is to give the Holy Spirit place. Give Him place. He's with us once we accept Jesus. But the extent in which He will operate in our lives is based to some degree on how much room we give Him. We have to give Him room. He wants to do amazing things. He wants to do so much in our lives, but we've got to give Him that room. We've got to give Him that space to do that. And if we do, He'll grow much fruit in our lives. And faith is one of those fruit. Galatians 5, 22-25 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So sometimes the English language can be confusing. And so I just want to bring a little clarity. So when you think of faith and faithfulness, at least I think of them as similar but but different. You're right. Faith is belief, right? And faithfulness is the result thereof. But they're really tied together. They're, they're kind of connected. Where one is found, the other should be found also. If you have faith, you should also demonstrate faithfulness. But just to, to, to make sure we're clear on this, that the word that was used earlier when God said, you know, where is your faith? You have little faith. And the one in this verse saying faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit, it's all the same word. It's pistis is the word. It's conviction of the truth of anything. The conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. Belief belief with the predominant idea of trust or confidence in Christ springing from faith in the same. Fidelity and faithfulness, the character of one who can be relied on. The Holy Spirit produces that in us. It is one of the fruits of the Spirit. In the, in the end of the passage in Galatians here, it also says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Living a life of faith is a life walking by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces that fruit in us, and He guides us into all truth. So how do we walk without fear? How do we live a life of faith? We follow the Holy Spirit's guidance. Jesus said, it's better that I go away, because then the Holy Spirit can come. So that tells me that the Holy Spirit is more than all we could ever need to walk out the fullness of what God has. He guides us into all truth. John 16, 13 says this, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into the truth, for He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak. So what does the Holy Spirit hear? What does He speak? There's a whole lot of things, friends. But one that we absolutely must grab a hold of is that we are loved. We are loved. This is a truth that He guides us into that changes our lives. God loves us so much, and it's a love that's hard to understand sometimes. It's unconditional. It's one that sent Jesus to die while we were still in sin. It meets us where we are. It's a love that we can't earn. It's not based on our actions. It's not based on our best day or our worst day. Our Father loves us so much. And if we want to combat fear in our lives and walk in faith, we have to accept God's love for us. You know, last week Mark talked about loving with the Father's love. And that's right. We need to love with the Father's love because our love is limited. But I believe that when we accept God's love for us, it makes that so much easier. Because then we can look at others through that same lens, right? Through the, through the eyes of Jesus. 
and God's love casts out all fear. 1 John 4.18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love, God's love, casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. God's perfect love casts out fear. This is the fear of issue. This is the fear I was talking about earlier. The word in this passage is that same phobos, fear. Fear, panic, causing of terror. God's love casts that out. God's love enables us to walk in faith, to not be held back. God doesn't want to punish us. That's what the enemy wants. Get the worship team to come back up. But God's not about punishment, friends. Jesus' death on the cross laid waste to the plans of the enemy. We still fear in the in the sense of reverence and honor and being in awe of our God, but we don't have to hide. His Holy Spirit allows us to walk a life of faith. His love casts out all the fear that, that would bind us and prevent us from doing that. God's perfect love casts out phobos, the fear of the unknown, the fear of failure, the fear of what if. Insert the phobia. It doesn't matter what it is. He casts out all of it. All fear. His love enables us. His Holy Spirit grows fruit within us that allows us to walk in faith. If we believe in Jesus and we place our trust in Him, if we walk in the Spirit and grab hold of the truth of Jesus' love for us, then we can live and walk out a life of faith versus a life of fear. That's God's plan. It never changed. That was his plan from the beginning. 